thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man Scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man Scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite Bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Alright, welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. Looking at me across the state is my good buddy, Ryan Thornburg. He is named Thorny on the podcast. We are the Ryans of the RNR, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we have a ding sponsor in Jeremiah Johnson's Brewing, brewing awesome beers in downtown Great Falls, Montana, with a second tap room in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I still remember how to do it, Thorny. You I'm did impressed. it. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, no rust there. You breezed <laughs> right through that. Woo! Cheers. I have a little dust on the microphone, brother. I had, to, I had to remember how to turn this thing on, plug it in, and get it out of the closet. So there was some rust, just not with the intro. <laughs> Setting up the equipment. Mine did, mine never yeah. moves, so mine's pretty easy to, uh, to, to figure out. Stays in one spot. Right on. Cool, dude. Well, we're going to do another episode tonight. We are going to talk about basketball again holy cow basketball's been over for like a month feels like yeah but yet we still have to recap the tournament losses in the ncaa uh montana state had some pro day stuff going on with football we'll talk about a little football news football's ramping up right now we have five weeks of spring ball going on culminating in the sunny holland classic which we will probably do an episode on i imagine we'll Oh, yeah. Watch that. That's going to be broadcasted yeah. on ESPN+. Plus. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. We'll watch that and put an episode out after that game. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about football. Some exciting news, though, Ryan, is we have some Golden Cooley questions because yeah. we have a brand new shipment of Golden Cooleys. Holy cow. Legit Golden Cooleys holding it up. What does it say there, Ryan? R&R right CatCast, which is, yes. you know, our brand, the name of our podcast, instead of just Montana State Football, which just commingled what we do in our brand. And uh, if you just looked at it, you wouldn't have no idea what that is. <laughs> so now, at least our name's on it. You might not have any idea what the, it is based on the name, but our name's on it. That's a moving in the right direction. 
I would say nobody here is a is a marketing genius, but I actually did graduate from Montana State in marketing, so I should know better. <laughs> that was my degree. <laughs> Clearly not using it. Uh, I just like how Montana State basically told us, don't sell them, get rid of them, don't affiliate with us. <laughs> hey, we turned like, ourselves in. Like we uh hey, we made these what's uh what's, what's the process here? So we're we're trying to play within the rules here. We're trying to be team players, yeah. law abiding citizens. Well, another thing about these coolies. So I work with the when I order the coolies, we get them from a company called Coolie Nation, which is like a homegrown family operation. I I want to say it's like in New Hampshire. I might be wrong about that, but uh, they upgraded us with this neoprene, and the other ones were like a fabric, kind of like a spongy fabric, and these feel way more sturdy they have like oh, look stitching, at the stitching on the that yeah, look at that yeah look at that man so yes a second edition of mm-hmm. the golden coolie i'm excited to start sending these out man yeah if you have one i think it's worth getting a new one because new branding and it's neoprene it's better quality yeah let's do go. it people submit those questions get yourself your third your fourth coolie start giving away to people whatever you want to do <laughs> let's ramp it back Ryan, up Ryan. you know we could even choose to sell these ones if we wanted we to. We could. Maybe do a donation we for could. the podcast. We'll figure something out. All right. Okay. Well, let's start with uh, the basketball tournament and in the NCAA tournament. Of, like the men's game against Texas Tech. We'll talk about that in the women's game against Stanford. Um, Excuse me. Ooh. Yes. Excuse oh, man. Me, right? I, the tab broke. That didn't do anything. <laughs> it sounded bad. Did you it have felt bad? It looked bad. Did you have one of those ones where you try to pop it, but nothing happened? <laughs> yeah. It just popped at like a millimeter and then the tab just went like all the way forward, but I'm in, I broke uh, in. Can I go ahead? Can I assume that we're going to actually do this here? Even though you, yeah, there's like a second Sorry. time in a row that you've decided to skip over uh, what we do here. I have the Mother Earth, Mother Earth Brewing Company, Cali Cream and Vanilla Cream Ale. I have never heard of this company before. Nampa, Idaho, and Vista, California. So they got two breweries, I guess. I used to live in Nampa, Idaho. What's that? What's the brewery called? Mother Earth Brew Co. Yeah. Bruco. Hey, that's pretty tasty. Just uh, just had a sip. Not bad. I haven't had a vanilla cream in a while, and I saw that on there. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds kind of good. Sounds kind of good. It's pretty light on the vanilla, not too much on the cream, which is good. So delicious. I would actually get this again. I don't think I've ever had a vanilla cream beer. I don't think I've ever heard of a vanilla cream beer. It's got the uh, the surfing van thing. Yeah. I assume this would be. Yeah, I used to on have it. one of those. <laughs> Not quite the surf van. I had a 85 Westie, a camper van. Did you ever see that? Yeah, you sent some pictures of it when you were selling it, I think. Yeah, I sold it to a couple in Portland last year and um, kind of missed that van. It was really cool. Anyways, uh, nice job, man. I didn't know Nampa had a brewery. I'm not surprised. I have just kind of a Rainier with a lime in it. So... I don't know. What do you call that? Northwest meets. I call that Ryan Foley just puts lime in all of his beers and thinks he's fancy. (laughs) Fancy pants Foley. That's what they call me around here. (laughs) No one calls you that. 
No one's ever no called one you that. Me that. You're the no least fanciest person I know. <laughs> and that's not an insult. That's just that just is what it is. It is what it is. You're right. <laughs> no, my wife picked these up. We went to Wenatchee. Uh, Wenatchee is right by Leavenworth. Oh, we had spring break last weekend. I, she was going out. I was like, hey, just pick up some beer. She came back with a six-pack of Rainier Tallboys. Nice. She comes back with. <laughs> Nothing wrong All with right, that. All right, here we go. Nothing so, wrong with that. just leftovers. <laughs> right on. All right. Okay. So now we can get into the basketball chat. Woo! Something we wanted to do for a few weeks, but there's just been... It's been hard to find the time to record when we both had time. You had spring break. I've been sick. There was a week there where I was basically super hoarse and I sounded awful and didn't want to record. So we're finally getting around to it. We're going to mash it together with some football chat. Where do you want to start? Let's start, I guess, with the final results of the season before we actually talk any about any offseason moves or anything like that. Montana State Bobcats gain the 14 seed against the third seed Texas Tech Red Raiders. And that game was not particularly pretty. The Bobcats lose <laughs> 62 to 97. They were down 52 to 25 at halftime. I think Texas Tech was shooting like 77% from the field at halftime. They ended up shooting like uh, 66%. <laughs> yeah, 66.7% for the entire game. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't mean to laugh, but that's it's absurd. Like teams don't shoot that well in warmups. All right, that's just <laughs> that's just ridiculous. <laughs> 62 to 97 uh, doesn't take away from the amazing season the Bobcats had in any way, in my opinion, but ran into a complete buzzsaw, a really bad draw for the Bobcats, a super athletic, big, rangy, tough, defensive-minded team, Texas Tech, and uh, we just couldn't get it going at all against their Red Raiders. Felt like Texas Tech smelled blood in the water because you watched them defend us. It was like watching a like varsity team take on a middle school team where in the middle school team was just having trouble dribbling and passing the ball, and that would have been us. Montana State <laughs> was terrible. Yeah, like dribbling off our feet, just like just like dribbling it and like just losing control of the dribble right to a defender. It's just like, okay, well, it was a good season. You, you're thinking that within the first like five <laughs> minutes of the game. Like, well, we had a good season because <laughs> it was over. We scored the first two quick. points of the game. I was like, sweet, we, we got the lead. <laughs> that was the only lead we ever had, due to nothing. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. Oh, Alternate yeah. headline is Texas Tech comes back against Montana State to win in commanding fashion. They had to, they had to come back from that two to zero deficit. Uh, yeah. I mean, there really isn't a lot to talk about in this game. It kind of no. went the way that not that I expected, but I guess I feared it might go. I was really hoping that the Bobcats would put up a good performance. And kind of make a run or keep it close for a half or, you know, prove that we really belonged or even that we got shafted at a 14 seed. Instead, we just completely lay an egg and don't even look like we belonged in the tournament in the first place. So it was a rough game to watch. Whoa. But, but uh, you know, tough, tough, tough game to watch. But overall, amazing season. It doesn't detract at all for me from the season that we had. Oh, you're right, Ryan. Texas Tech really put a hurting to us. It made us feel pretty bad in th in that moment. Everything you said, I would I would like agree with that. Texas Tech went on to beat North Dakota, or excuse me, not North Dakota, Notre Dame. Sorry, the other Notre UND. Dame. Yeah, 
uh, 59-53, and then they lost to Duke, the number two team, was 78-73. So close game. They were, yeah, they had a good run, but they really put the hurt into us. Um, you know, it just looked weird. Montana State, Ryan. One thing I remember watching that game was during the middle of the day. I had to watch it during a class I was teaching, and fortunately, the kids were. Pretty okay with it. Uh, it was a Friday, if I remember right. And so the we were doing okay something. Aren't kids always <laughs> okay of... with their teacher not paying that much attention to them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that that's the case, but I'm saying on this one. A kid, any, any, any chance a kid has to slack off, they're going to not be upset about it. At least me. <laughs> when I was in school. Yeah. I just hope my, my employer is not listening to this, but. Uh, it's alleged, it was. Allegedly. Montana State looked nervous. They looked really nervous in this game. They seemed like they shrank from the moment, which was a little disheartening. But you can't really put any of that on anybody. You just you can't ever really prepare for something like this. But yeah, they looked yeah. kind of scared and they looked a little nervous in that game for sure. It made me wonder, like, is this what we needed to feel? Kind of like all of the national championship. Do we just need to feel it? in order to then better prepare ourselves for the next time we, we get there. I think so. Yeah. Kind of thing. I mean, we have a first time head it coach in his third season, but it's first time being a head coach. Like, in, I mean, that's a fast rising coach, right? You take you on your third year, you take a team that hadn't been there in 26 years. And all of a sudden you take them there on a team that you were on 26 years ago or whatever the years were. And you know, he learned a lot in the process. I mean, you see the improvements. Like last year, we lost in the Big Sky Conference Tournament Championship game. This year, we were able to get over that hump. And then now you reach that next echelon and you get shellacked. And now you know what it takes and what the mentality needs to be and what the environment is. And I mean, now you you learn so much from these experiences. All right, Thorny, I'm going to pass this question to you because... It's the question out there right now. What does it take for Montana State or a Big Sky Conference school to be competitive in the national dance? Man, I've been thinking a lot about this. After after this game ended and all the rumors swirling around about Danny Sprinkle um, leaving the Bobcats, and we'll get into Danny Sprinkle contract extension here in a little bit. So good news on that Woo! front. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that, and I don't have an answer. It's like the entire conference... It's not just it's just not a very good basketball conference. And I don't yeah. know why that is. I think any coaches that have any success typically move on and out whenever they get the first opportunity to. It's a could be a combination of the fact that there's just not that many colleges in the western United States compared to the eastern United States. So it's a lot harder to find recruits or maybe it's a lot harder to bring in talent or I'm sorry bring in like uh, opponents. And I, a lot of it, I think, is the way that the Big Sky Conference is refereed. I don't think that helps the Big Sky Conference at all. I, I really don't know. Like, there's just not that many good programs, basketball programs, because I think most, I think a big part of it too is most of the schools in the Big Sky Conference are football schools, with the exception mm-hmm. of Weber, who's now finally gotten both going. But, you know, I think most of the schools in this conference put most of their resources, if not all of them, into football, even the bad ones. <laughs> It's still yeah. dispor- disproportionate. I mean, a conference like the WCC, like I don't think any of those schools play basketball or football. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think they do. So they can spend every university there, athletic made... dollar on basketball. Yeah, you know, Montana State has a real opportunity right now to capture some momentum. You would think to become a legit mid major if they were to fund basketball, if they were to allocate efforts into making Montana State a destination for, a, like like I said, a legit mid major. Danny Sprinkle just signed a four-year con- contract extension. I mean, he could be the guy that lays the foundation for this. It's going to need the funding, though. What would that look like at Montana State? What do you think that would look like? What would what look like? Sorry. Like, what would what kind of money, what kind of uh, visible signs would you need to see for for you to feel like okay, we're football and basketball are now of equal footing. Well, I hate to say this, but did you see what the the upgrades that the the Grizzlies just released? They just built. They put out the press Their locker press river. Yeah, like I, I haven't yeah. seen the Big Sky School put that kind of money into a basketball locker room before. Maybe Weber yeah. State has in the past. I don't know. They have a really nice event center. The D Event Center is an awesome facility. I don't know what like the strength training program looks like or any of that kind of stuff. But what the Grizzlies did is impressive. And I think it would take something like that for the cats to kind of move in that direction. We need to build some sort of new basketball facility. It's not going to be a new arena. The brick is the brick. It's going to be the brick for the foreseeable future. But some better, I don't know, something, just some investing in it some way. I know we did the scoreboard a few years ago, which is a big deal. But I mean, you got to put some effort into some, uh, you know, the arms race side of things too. Some money into that, but I think yeah. ultimately, and this is this is probably where le- the problem lies a lot in the Big Sky too, is just salaries of head coaches. They're not mm. much. They are not much. No. Now I know that, like, uh, I think it was, was it Brian Katz who was the coach at Sac State who finally just retired for health reasons this season, or maybe even right as the season started. I don't remember. He was paid. I saw like a salary. He was paid like four or five hundred thousand dollars a year. Base salary. Ooh. I also know California kind of skews things a little bit, and he had been there for like 18 years, so there's probably some sort of mandatory percentage raise every single year <laughs> being in a, a public institution. But the rest of them were anywhere from like 160 to like, you know, 250 was kind of the range, and that's just not a lot of money these days. Yeah. All, everything just comes you, down to money, man. Were... Everything just comes down to money. Unless you are <laughs> willing to put money into the basketball program, it's going to be where it is. That's a good point. I wish I would have known we were talking salaries. I think I know Randy Ray has the top salary in the in the conference right now. He signed like at a big extension two or th- two or three years ago, and then he's done nothing since. It's been almost like his like sore in his heart. Um, Randy man, Ray yeah, makes one hundred ninety two thousand base salary as of twenty twenty. Uh, I'm actually reading a Bozeman Daily Chronicle reporting by our old buddy Paul Schwedelson. So I got the whole list here. Sweaty. Good old right. sweaty. Yeah, Brian Katz, $300,000. I'm sorry, it wasn't as high as I was thought, but that he was the highest paid coach in the Big Sky Conference with Brian sure. Katz. No one else was above 200 at the time. Randy Ray is the second highest paid at 192. Oh, I'm sorry. Shane Burkar, Northern Arizona, 198 grand. Hasn't helped NAU, I guess. <laughs> they haven't been good at basketball for a while <laughs> for a spell. 
Other thing I think that kind of holds the Big Sky Conference back is the lack of size that we're able to develop and recruit here. We just don't have the big men to compete. Jabril Bello, who is, well, he was the MVP, right, this year. Am I saying that wrong? No, okay. he was the MVP. He, right. he looked like their point guard for, yeah. for Texas Tech. <laughs> it's just not fair. Well, at it, the same time, though, it's not like anyone in the final four or anything had a big seven foot or anything. You just need a six ten big, six nine big. I think Bellows tall enough. I just the problem is the rest of the team is that tall. I yeah, think, I think exactly. the old you notion like that you need like seven a big, of those dudes. Yeah, you don't need a big tree anymore. That's more maybe an NBA thing. In college, it's kind of moved away from that. But now everyone is six eight. Your point guard is six eight. Mm. Your center is six eight. Everyone is six eight. And that's the problem. <laughs> we got a little more like five seven. Xavier Bishop running around is a, is more of a problem than I think <laughs> Bello being the big. Yeah, Abdul Muhammad had the length. I thought to be that transitional player, like that, that and he was. forward slash, you know, who could stretch his body length is something Montana state needs. I mean, this is the most athletic big time looking team that we've had in forever. And then we, when we got to mm-hmm. Texas tech, they look like the monsters as, as we've said this several times, <laughs> but they just, they just looked like a different level. Like you just step on the court with them. Like, Oh, okay. That's what they look like. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden you think Abdul Muhammad is a big stretch lean guy and he just looks like a he looks like a twig out there. Yeah, he looks like a skinny middle schooler. Hey, Thorny, last question on this game. Uh do you think do you think drawing Texas Tech was the worst draw for Montana State? Do you think we could have I'm not saying win, but do you think we could have been more competitive if we had anybody but Texas Tech? I mean, I think we would have done better against like a a Big Ten type team or something like that. I don't know, like a Midwest type team. <sighs> I don't know. It was it was a bad draw, but I'm not sure the results would have been a whole lot different with anyone else. I don't think we would have been able to beat anybody necessarily, but you know, I think it was a really bad draw just in terms of teams with that size have given us problems. They reminded me a lot of like a Eastern Washington on steroids type looking team <laughs> and Eastern Washington yeah. gave us some troubles with their size. So it's kind of, it was a bad draw. I'm not, I don't think anything would have changed, but no. yeah, it was a bad draw. I mean, like you said, they shot ridiculous percentage, but they were also hyper aggressive with their defense and they, they just gave Montana state just fits. And what I saw when I was watching that game in closing on this is Montana state just looked a little bit nervous a little bit out of sorts. And by the time we kind of settled in in the second half, it was way too late. Yeah. It was way too late, but, and, and that's the point too. Like by the time we settled in was Texas tech just kind of letting us settle in They're like, oh, whatever, we don't care anymore. <laughs> that's always the hard part yeah. too. It's like, they, you know, at the mentality, the coaches tell them to play as hard as they always do, but your mentality at that point, like, are you really, are you really trying your, your hardest when you're up by, you know, 40 points? <laughs> Jeez. You're right. Good hard. point. All right. Well, that puts a cap on the Bobcat men's season. It was a great season. Came it came to to end in a thud, thudding fashion, but it is what it is. That's just kind of the destiny of most big sky teams. Let's flip let's flip, flip, flip uh, let's flip it over to the women. Uh, Why don't you take this one? Why don't you take the score here? I don't want to. We got to. I mean, it was kind uh, of the same situation. Oh really. man. 
ESPN just started playing their ad. That's always jarring. I didn't okay. hear it, so uh, I'm making a recording. So if you've listened to our podcast go. before, and sometimes you hear some like weird. <laughs> sometimes it sneaks its way into the recording, and I can't parse it out. I just let it ride. If it's like if it's only like five seconds, I'm like, yeah, I'll just leave it in, and people will just ignore it. So if you're listening to it on your work day, and you just start hearing like crowd noises and, and stuff like that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I try not to. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. The women made it to the dance as well. And we took on the number one Stanford Cardinal. We played in their home stadium, which I think is just ridiculous, but is what it is. Uh, we thought it was ridiculous that the rules. Rams got their home locker. <laughs> Man, I was, don't even bring that up. Which we have, Anyways. we never recorded a post Super Bowl episode. And there's a good reason you're why canceled. You're canceled. <laughs> Got, I'm, tired. I'm done talking to you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, man. I, I knew you were going to make me take this score. We lost uh, 78 to 37. Uh, there's not much to say. We didn't even score in the first quarter. It was 20 to nothing. We got dunked on. We got dunked we got on, dunked man. On. Which was pretty awesome. Like It's cool to see yeah, that athletic cool. feat, but just not against your team. <laughs> no, that's a post. They posterized us, man. We were all over Sports Center. Yeah, not for no, the good if you click on the women's like the score, the first the game highlights. Fran Belibi rises up for epic dunk for Stanford. There it is. You can click play and watch the thing. <laughs> Twenty to zero at the end of the first quarter. We were not yeah. the only team in the tournament to go scoreless for a quarter. It actually happened to at really? least one other team, if not two other teams. There was a couple other teams that got oh. blanked in a quarter. I don't think it was the first quarter for everybody. I think some team got blanked in like the third quarter. But yeah, 12 points in the second, nine points in the third. I mean, by that point, it is 63 to 20, 21. I mean, this game was over before it started, unfortunately, a lot like the men's game. I thought it was kind of the same situation. Like they just looked a little intimidated. Stanford is a really, really good athletic, big Big team, and uh, we just couldn't handle it right from the get-go. I mean, we sh- we had some decent looks. I actually, in, uh, it's coming back to me now. We haven't <laughs> this game happened a few weeks ago at this point. The Cats had some decent looks at some three pointers in the beginning of the game. We were just cold. Like I feel like the men had to struggle for what they got. The women actually had some shots, and they just couldn't hit. Yeah. No, I was able to watch some of that game. I was at the end of a running club, and we were at an establishment, and I had that pulled up on the phone. And you're exactly right, Ryan. We just couldn't hit the buckets. We shot for like 22%. It wasn't just uh, just wasn't our night, which no. made me a little bit surprised because I thought, remember it was, I can't even remember the year now. It might have been 2019 when the Cats played at the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. And we played really well during that game. That was a good showing for us. It was a good showing, I think, especially, uh, uh, I think it was Peyton Ferris scored like 40 points in that game or something like that. That was that was a pretty huh. exciting game. Yeah, so I was I was thinking this could be kind of a la that kind of performance. But uh, again, uh, just kind of a, a, big, a big loss. Ryan, one thing I was thinking about, and this is concerning to me, you think back to this game, to the men's game, and to the national championship game, you look at the margin of defeat. I haven't crunched the numbers. 
and I'm not going to right now, but that's a big margin of defeat between those three games. Yeah. What does that say about Montana's, Montana State Athletics in the big moment? I don't know, man. <laughs> that's a loaded question right there. Well, it's it's interesting because we talked about this incremental improvement where you get to that next level, and then the way the Bobcats have done it, you get blown out. The next year, you get to that same level, and you you actually overcome the hump. Like the football team is a great example. Like we semifinal like, or quarterfinal, semifinal, the national championship. The problem is when we lose, it's just disastrous. It's like, why yeah. can't we, ha- why can't we lose a game that we're like competing with? And it's a, you know, punch for punch. And we come out short handed. It's like every time the cats lose a big game, it's in flames. We finally started winning some of those big games, but still when it's a loss, it is bad. <laughs> like if you want to, yeah, combine the the lossing the losses between the national championship and the two tournament games, it's like over a hundred points in three games. This is absolutely absurd. It is, man. It is, and it becomes like a kind of a punching bag narrative for the bobcats i mean our foes across the hill they're like yeah but you guys really suck when it comes to the big games and they're not they're not wrong the best smack <laughs> talk has a hint of truth in it <laughs> <laughs> they're not wrong so as a cat fan we have to change that narrative we have to become competitive in these big games and i thought you know go back to look at jeff chill that was his mantra, right? Like lose big, lose small, win win small, win big. We lost big against the Grizzlies and we lost big against the Bison. Both of those games were of consequence. Okay, so you need you us. need to parse out the difference though. You're saying we lose in these big in these in the big games, but we won a lot of big games that we hadn't won previously. Yeah. So you gotta give the yeah. you gotta give the credit on that side of it too. Okay. No, no, no. There there is we beat credit. Eastern but Washington. But we beat we were we state. Lose, but yes, but when we lose, when we lose, but, but when we we lose in epic it's fashion, so bad. it's not close. It, it's just like going down Titanic style. Go big. I go don't home, understand. Baby. And it just looks it looks it just looks bad. It just leaves a bad taste in the mouth, man. And that's all I'm seeing. It does. It just, uh, like you, you, you lose in North Dakota State like right? 35 to 24 or something. That's, you know, you feel different than the way 38 to 10 or 18. Well, I don't remember the score in that game, but it was, yeah. you know, you know, you lose to the Grizz 24 to 17 instead of the way it went down. Like we don't, I don't really know what that feels like. Which is a weird thing to say. Like every time we lose, it's so bad. And I, I, mm. I just, like you said, I want, I want us, I want us to win the games, obviously, but if we're going to lose, you want to be competitive and we just don't have that. And I don't know what that is. It seems to be consistent across Across the programs. But it, you know, there's worse things yeah. than going all the way to the highest level you can go and then losing in dramatic fashion. Because <laughs> yeah. each, each program Not literally that. about went to as far as you can go. Like the, the football pro- program obviously went as far as you can go. Didn't win. Now you can go farther in the tournament, but you're probably not going to. So you made it. You you reach the pinnacle of each three of the big major sports, but they all just you know crash and burned in big time flames, unfortunately. <laughs> but there's worse positions to be in 
than than the Bobcat yes. athletic program right now. In fact, they're in great shape. We just got to figure out some of the those things. The year of the cap. Yeah, the year of the Bobcat. Absolutely. We were going to talk about that. I don't have all this stuff in front of me. And we weren't, we didn't decide to talk about it, but we talked about it at one point, just all the accomplishments of all the various sports programs at Montana State. It's been a hell of a year. Mm. I wonder if the Brawl of the Wild, or what is that, the Great Divide Trophy, where they compete against the Grizzlies in all the sports? Has that oh, been decided uh, yet? No, the Great Divide Trophy is the actual trophy, but yeah, it's the <laughs> Lucky Lil's. Yeah, maybe it's the Brawl of the Wild series, called? maybe is what it's called. Yeah. But yeah, they have like a point won it for a it. point system for all sports. Like football has like three points, other ones have like one point or something like that. And yeah, the Bobcats have won that like five years in a row or something. But football is such mm-hmm. a big weight on that. So I don't think that's been announced yet. At least I haven't seen it. Because I think, you know, tennis is still going. Right. So it must still be neck and neck because there's still other sports like track and field is still going, tennis is still going. There's still some sports that are competing against each other. They would have called it, hey, if Ryan, it was, you know, heavily one way or the other. Okay. Ryan, I'm going to throw in a golden coolie question from our boy Colorado Cat. He says, which basketball team will have a better season next year? It's a great question. And the easy answer for me and the, the, the one of most face value, I think the women are the easier choice here. They only lose like, what, two seniors or something like that. And I don't think either one of them were particularly yeah, so big Yeah, Gabby Maki and yeah, Maki is- Ashley Van Sickle. Who went in as like a graduate transfer yes. into the portal? So those are the only two girls I could see that were actually leaving the program. The big, pro- the big, the big players are either going to be seniors or juniors yeah. next year. Yeah, the, the Cats were a pretty darn young team this year. This was kind of supposed to be a little bit of a rebuilding year, and here we won the title, went all the way to the dance, and then we have that. Uh, and I can't remember her name. If you have the roster in front of me, you can help me out. She's like a six-six freshman from like Forsyth, Montana. Some little town, mm. some little town of Montana. Was she on the team this year? I think she redshirted. redshirted. She may have been injured. Oh, and I wish I had it in front of me, but she, if she's fully healthy, like that's the size that, I mean, that's a, that's a great size for any program in the country. Like Stanford would love to have someone with that size. This is a, she had offer her senior year from like Nebraska. I think she chose this over Nebraska and maybe like North Dakota or North Dakota state, some other program. Like she's going to be a solid player. And I, I, it's driving me crazy. I don't have her name up in front of me. Lindsay Hine. I was going to say, I think it's Lindsay, Lindsay Hine. Yeah. It's where's she from. Do you have it? Is it Forsyth? Forsyth. Yeah. yeah look at me. Good job, buddy. Look at me. Yeah. She's going to be, I think a contributor day one. And with the rise of like Cola bad bear, the way she played in the second half of the season, I mean, and then, of course, Darian White is Darian White. I think the Cats would probably be the preseason number one favorite next year on the women's side. The uh, women's side. So I think if you're going to ask me for the easy choice, I think it's the, it's the women. Yeah, I was totally agreed with that. We have a lot of young guys coming back from the from the men's side, but definitely not the experience, definitely not the star power. Yeah. The, the guy that comes to mind for the, for the men would be Jabril Bello. But we have a lot of shooters. Coming back right now, like guys like Tyler Patterson, uh, Nick Gazalis, Carter Ash, Sam Luckalot, Raekwon Battle. A lot of men. Raekwon Battle is going to be coming back. He's going to be a cornerstone for the team. Yes. Not not only a six man, but he's going to be a, a featured guy. Yep. A guy I'm super stoked on is uh, the Missoula product, Alec Germer. 
He's mm-hmm. he can shoot the ball. Holy smokes! Holy cow! So the guy from like like a la Tyler Patterson, but maybe a little bit more cons- consistent from three. So yeah, we got a lot of shooters, but just uh, kind of some unproven players. I know we have a new signee from Cal State Northridge, Darius, Darius Brown, Brown the second. The second. Yeah, he's got two years to play. He's a he's a guard, so he's going to take the point. He'll he'll uh, usurp their um, bishop for us. So, but yeah, I I would say Colorado Cats. To your point, uh, the the women have the better chance right now on paper. I think to be the better team. Yeah, I I think the the men maybe picked like top three next year, maybe top four at worst. There's still a lot of talent coming back. You got the Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year returning. But I, I just think the women are going to are primed next year. Yeah, let's talk about Sprinkle getting that contract extension right now. He, he signed a four-year contract extension going through 2025-2026. It's big news. That is huge, huge news. So there was rumors swirling around, and we had seen it on Twitter. I believe we had also heard this offline from our, we have like a handful of sources. Like we don't really have much. <laughs> people think no, we we're connected. Don't. We're not. We have a couple <laughs> people who sometimes like throw us a bone. Um, but yeah, we'd heard he was That's accurate. going for that San Diego job. And then, you know, started popping up on Twitter. This one account, like the low madness, March madness account that only has like 4,000 followers, which is, you know, how big of a source is, it? I don't know. But he, he, that person was the main driver behind a lot of this too. And I'm hearing Sprinkles, the guy, you're thinking, oh, well, crap. Like, I'm starting to get frustrated. Like, we can't even keep an alma mater, a graduate coach around. I'm getting all grumpy about it. And then all, like, out of the blue, the announcement that uh, Sprinkle is staying around, signs a new contract, a new four-year contract. I guess it's actually a contract extension. The clarification came later. But um, he's locked up again, which is, you're not really locked up, but he is, he has an extension through the 2025, 2026 season. I'm looking at the, the information here in the Chronicle from when is this pretty recent? This is uh yeah. Updated one hour ago. His base salary is now $185,000, 711. Uh, so his salary went up a little bit, not, not a whole lot. That's only a sal- annual salary increase of $18,000. I'm sure there's tons of, incentives and maybe some other stuff in there. But yeah, awesome news. Awesome news that Danny Sprinkle has signed a contract extension to be back in Montana State because this is a big part of the discussion we had earlier about becoming a legitimate mid-major. You have to have some sort of consistency in coaching or some sort of coaching tree or you got a next guy in line. So, okay, Sprinkle left. Who's the next guy? We got we got grooming. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that programs have and we just haven't had that. So, Getting him to come back next year, I think, is going to be a big step towards the Bobcats potentially becoming, um, you know, a consistent, legitimate mid-major program. Let's talk about what you said to me on the phone the other day. You talked about Montana State going to the Mountain West, how this could be maybe some writing on the wall. (laughs) Uh, You wanted me to, yeah, you're trying to squeeze this out of me, aren't you? I had this random thought that Sprinkle, (laughs) uh, part of the reason that Sprinkle Sign the contract to come back to Montana State instead of taking a San Diego job, and this is complete conjecture, complete hearsay, I'm making this up, is that maybe 
Leon Costello knows something about potentially, hey, you know, stick around for a few years. The Mountain West invite might be coming our way. Now, this is complete conjecture. Please nobody go around <laughs> saying like, what? oh, I this heard it on back. the NR Catcast, Bobcats, to the Mountain West. <laughs> complete just thought that popped into my head. And I don't know if there's any legitimacy to that. And there probably isn't. But, you know, Boise State, you know, I mean, there's a lot of linchpins that could start a whole domino effect that could end up with the Bobcats in the Mountain West. Oh, man. And, I'm, I'm and, just kind of shocked. And I don't know. That's just just thought that popped in my head, but. Com- probably complete yeah. BS. I'm just shocked that he's only making, what did he say, 180? 185, 711. What is Binford making? Binford had been making, and I probably closed what I had. She had been making whatever Danny Sprinkle made, plus like $1,200 in 2020. So Binford mm-hmm. was the only women's coach at any of the big sky conference schools that was making more than the men's counterpart, which is great. Gosh, like that's Bo- awesome for Trisha Benford. Yeah. Bozeman just has this weird thing going where it's like super expensive, right? Median house price. I just checked the other two weeks ago was like what? 700 or $800,000 median house price. So you're telling me Danny Sprinkle, head coach, making hundred and what was it again? I can't hear you. Hundred and eighty, hundred and eighty thousand dollars now. Like hundred and eighty six. Yeah. All right. So up. talk about Dan Russell and um name me some other uh Chris Haslam, Dan Russell are the two Yeah, Chris Haslam. I can never remember Chris Haslam. Yeah, so the the coaches beneath him, his assistants, what do they make? What do you think? Uh, 60, 70, maybe if they're lucky. It's, uh, yeah, probably a little bit more, I would assume, but $60,000 Bozeman, Montana. You're not, you're not living in Bozeman. I mean, that's gotta be so hard helping your, uh, helping your, your, uh, the guys that work for you, your, your coaches. I mean, that just seems like it's such a tough place to, to live. If you're just only making that kind of money. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. If, if that's your only income anyway, assuming that no one else in the household is earning any income. That's a good point. But I mean, you know, Montana State's not the only program in the Big Sky Conference that's dealing with super high housing. I mean, there's a Portland, can't be any better. Sacramento State. I mean, everywhere is getting pretty bad. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's any, I mean, it's bad in Bozeman. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if it's, Significantly worse in Bozeman than it is in Flagstaff or something. Yeah. I think if we go to the Mountain West, you know, that TV money deal, that contract that you have. That's the big thing is that TV contract. Woo. Yeah, right. So, huh, man, I don't know. Like Montana State has the potential to become a legit mid-major. I, I see, I could see a path for it, right? Mon- Bozeman's growing. Just you could see the money coming in. You could see the fresh face in Danny Sprinkle. He just signed a four-year contract. You could see the, the confluence of events. It's there. It's there for the taking. You just got to fund it. Montana State has to fund it. I'm, I, I want to strike I while love. the iron's hot. Like, right? It's as like, yes, good as time as any as it's going to be. That everything's growing. Bozeman's growing. The institution is growing. The athletic programs are having major success. Like, if you're going to jump to the FBS, obviously you want a fitness conference. You're not just going to take it the first thing that comes. I mean, look at uh, what McNeese State and 
Lamar both just like left the whack. The whack was going to go to the FBS and they just like pulled out <laughs> and like, no, nah, we're sticking in the Southland. And you don't want to do anything like that. You want, you want it to be right, but it's as good as it's yeah. going to get right now. Like if, if an offer yeah. came along, if it doesn't, it doesn't, which is fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay where we are, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not, it's, it's, Easy to kind of get uh, stars in the eyes a little bit about some of the FBS stuff because it's not just football, like it's the basketball. No, you're in the Mountain West. Yes, in a three four bid league, that's a huge difference mm-hmm. between you have to go all the way. You have to win your tournament. You could win all the. You could go undefeated in the regular season and you lose your semifinal game of the tournament, and it doesn't matter. That's what the big sky is. Yeah. Whereas if you're in yep. like the Mountain West, you can probably go like, you know, you can go seven. You can win 70% of your games in the conference and you're still going to go to the tournament. You get 20 wins, you're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to go. Hey, by the way. That's huge. By the way, uh, I calculated this. I did some math. Performance incentives, not taking into consideration GPA, any of the kind of off-field stuff or off-court stuff. I think Sprinkle made $35,000 in performance incentives this year. Because there was X amount of dollars for winning the for winning the uh, regular season title. There was X amount of dollars for the coach of the year. There was X amount of dollars for making it to the the big dance. I'm just saying, like, there are plenty of incentives. Like, your base is like, it is what it is. $170,000, whatever it was last year. But, you know, he got himself over two hundred easily. Do you, what, do you, what do you think Dakir makes? Well, I, I, I closed it. I heard DeCure has a deal where he gets a lot of um, money game money. Like when they played Stanford a few years ago, or if they're able to play a decent-sized program that pays them to come in, he gets to keep a disproportionate amount of that money as kind of an incentive. Ah. That's the word on okay. the street for my little birds. <laughs> my grizz birds. I like have more grizz sources than I do bobcat sources, which is super annoying. Yeah, I think I know your grizz sources too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Let's keep this thing going. Okay. Um, Anything else? Oh, we got a few looking more at the basketball things. Yeah. Before we move off. Yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, I can hit those. A uh, couple guys in the transfer portal. Portal. Every time I think of the transfer portal, I think of like a swirling uh, black and white Batman, um, Adam West, like Kapow sign that just like swirls around and the players just jump into this portal and then they get disseminated somewhere else. Anyways, uh, off on the tangent. Bor- <laughs> yeah, Borja Fernandez, he's going into the portal. Good for him. You know, he deserves to play somewhere. He's a, he was a bench guy. He was a rah-rah guy for us this season. I thought he's oh, pretty he's decent hurt. player his first year. I thought yeah. he was going to develop into a good player. Now he got hurt. What did we, he broke his leg, right? Is that what it was? I can't remember, but he. He was yeah, on crutches for that, uh, the six man club lengthy. game. And it came out that he was hurt. And then, uh, yeah, he just ended up getting just, you know, sometimes when you get hurt, you lose that development and, and guys pass you and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Yeah. He was uh good for Borja. So. Yeah, I kind of knew the writing was on the wall for Borja when I went to the Eastern Washington game, and I sat like two, three rows behind the bench. He was the last guy on the bench. He was he was the last seat. 
And when players would come off, he would like move over. He'd be like, okay, come on in, come on in. (laughs) You know, I got caboose over here. I was like, yeah, Borja's gone. (laughs) He's just, he's gone. Yeah. So, uh, fair enough. I just kind of wish him well. Uh, Isaac Spears, uh, a Las Vegas guard freshman for us. This is a guy I was kind of excited to see. Same. Yeah. He's in the portal again. Um, which kind of surprised me. I don't know if that had anything to do with the Darius Brown signing. It has to. Might have. Yeah. Because now he's third on the were... kind of the point guardy type bench when you got Jarris Brown yeah. and Kellen Tynes, and then Isaac Spears would be kind of third man in that bunch. Yeah, so um it kind of sucks because I'm like, okay, just bide your time, dude. Just sit there, learn your position, work hard, put your head down. And he's a freshman, you know, a guy to get, he could get some legit touches as a, like a junior, you know, some, something like that and be like a star player for us. But now, you know, he's going to go play at who knows. It just kind of, that kind of stuff just frustrates me a little bit as a fan. I know it does. You don't like it when people yeah, I'm, look I'm for better for opportunities for like themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll always the disagree on this. We'll always okay. disagree on this. Fair enough. All right. Well, man, we just talked 50 minutes about basketball. Yeah, which so, is a little surprising. I didn't think we would do that, but here we are. No. All this right. could be a marathon episode. It's been a while since we recorded. I don't really care. It, I know it's 10 o'clock Ooh. our time, so it's up to you how early you want to cut this, but we got football. Footy ball. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about football. Good. So when you say so. I'm having a good time. Oh, good. Let's start with Pro Day. Yeah. Let's do it. Who all, <laughs> I'm going to ask you this, and I know you probably don't have it up. I don't have it up. <laughs> Who all participated in Pro Day? All right. Off the top of my head, yes, go. we have Kevin Cassis, uh, Jacques Allen. Those are the two that got the invites coming back. We had Chase Benson. We had Troy Anderson, Lance McCutcheon, Trey Webb, and Daniel Hardy. Mondre Williams, and Daniel Hardy. Yeah, I think that covers it. I think it's everybody. Boom. You did it. Look at that. I did it. The so right. I don't we don't have any of the numbers up and we're not gonna get too granular granular with this. But I was actually pretty impressed with some of the numbers, especially I mean Troy Anderson's Troy Anderson. Daniel Hardy put up some really good numbers. The one that sticks out is the 40 inch vertical. Uh mm-hmm. Trey Webb, I thought had a really good um stats mm-hmm. on this stuff. His four four or his forty time was pretty good. He he impressed. I thought I actually thought Trey Webb shot himself into the conversation to be at least signed as an undrafted free agent. Kevin Cass is putting up, what, 23 reps? The bench press? Was that what it was? He, like, beat Lewis Kidd. beast. <laughs> Gosh. I think uh, I listened to Coulter's show, and I think um, he was saying that Jeez. Kevin Cass's sister is, like, a CrossFit coach or something, so he thinks that, like, Kevin... Has just been doing nothing but like CrossFit and training, and we know from having him on the show, like he's just a fitness guru. So not surprising that he came out and showed out. It's it's it, it's it's I like seeing this kind of stuff because it vindicates when you're when you're a fo- a fan of an FCS football team and you think a guy is fast or he's strong. Is like is that skewed because you're looking at through the lens of other FCS players, but then you see a guy like Kevin Cassis run like a four, he ran like a four, four, eight or a four, five, low four, fives, like whatever it was. It was, it was quick. Like you just see that stuff. Like, okay, he's, that's like legitimate. That's like NFL or at least high end college 
type stuff. So I, that's what I like seeing this kind of stuff. It, make, it vindicates you as a person who watches football and tries to judge talent. Like, okay, I'm not completely crazy. These guys are strong and fast, like like they would be at if they were at Alabama type of situations. Some of them, yeah. They don't have maybe the same weight or the same height, but they're just as you know fast or strong, like in some certain in some situations. Yep. I was just looking through some stuff. We we forgot to mention Nate Stewart ah, yeah, and Nate Stewart. Taylor Tuiasa Sopo. So yeah. they were also part participants in the pro day. When I look at this class, it just it reifies in me how good this senior class was. Like Jeff Cho put together an amazing class. Not only Jeff Cho, I mean you could give uh, uh, Coach Vegan a little bit of credit in there too. But this was a special group. And it was. Um, when you when you look across the when you look across the, over to Missoula when you looked at their pro day, I want to say the numbers were considerably down, and and and, and the news that came out from ours, like you just talked about, it, I'm not going to rehash all that stuff, but just uh, just you know much more flash, much more national news about these Bobcats, mm-hmm. and um, I, you know I just want to applaud those guys because they they really put in the hard work and. <laughs> Uh, it's, it, we're going to be talking about a couple guys going to the NFL from this class. Well, we have some golden coolie questions along those lines. Do we not? Let's dive into those. We Bleeding do. blue. This is the one we're going to have a hard Woo. time answering. He asks us going with the most obvious question. Where does Troy get drafted bonus? Who drafts him? Okay. So the bonus is where like what team? I have no idea. No clue. Come I'm on. sorry. Bleeding blue. We're like the least. At least for me, like I don't know, I don't know anything about the NFL draft. I don't watch it most years. I don't care about it. <laughs> uh, well, it's I'm just more so hard to this check year because, only because like, teams, Troy Anderson. Yeah, teams trade up and trade down, and they move positions all over. What I'm going to say about Troy Anderson is what I said before. I think he goes uh, on the second round. I don't think I think Troy's probably going to be between forty and seventy-five. Yeah. I, I think I asked this question on our last episode where I put like an over and under on Joey Thomas's draft pick, which was 70. Like it's going to be better. I, I, I think 70 is a pretty good bar. I think, I think high forties, low fifties, but could be all the way up to 70. I, I don't think he'll go lower than 70. Dude, do you remember Joey Thomas wearing that, uh, his headband on his neck? He's so cool. <laughs> I've never saw one player do that except for Joey Thomas. Yeah, that was his actually, look, man. And the short that, socks. Yeah. He had the short socks. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Nice so little cool. tangent. Joey yeah. Thomas tangent. People listen to this podcast, like, probably don't know who Joey yeah. Thomas is. We're dating ourselves yeah. at this Chase, point. Chase Benson put 30, 30 reps up on the bench. I think Coulter said that was like the most in his position group. He's <laughs> a beach, man. Like, that's not surprising. It's not surprising. <laughs> I think he didn't. He didn't do anything else. <laughs> he's like a he's like an assistant strength coach for Arkansas State now. <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna go bench and just show everyone like, hey, I'm strong. <laughs> yeah. I love Chase Benson, man. That guy's so cool. <laughs> Rocky, Bear we should Cat. talk to that guy. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. We should talk to him, man. We that, should that'd try be to an get interesting him on interview. That would be, that'd be interesting. <laughs> that would be. Uh, Rocky Bearcat asks us, where will Daniel Hardy end up? You think he'll be drafted, a free agent, or possibly the CFL? Hardy may have 
showed himself into a seventh round draft pick. I think he in either gets drafted or he, if he doesn't, he signs real quick. Ala like Bryce Dirk or Bo Sandland who both like signed really quick after the draft ended. There'll be some teams that are waiting to see what happens with him. And the moment he's not drafted, he'll get a call. Um, I think he'll be on a, on a, at least a practice squad here, you know, come NFL season, but mm-hmm. drafted. Yeah. That's, that's hard. It's hard to know. No. Yeah. I, 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 I don't see that happening for anybody except Troy Anderson on the team. But the guys I would say that are going to the NFL from, from this class would be Troy Anderson, Daniel Hardy, Lance McCutcheon will probably be on a practice squad. I think it's so hard to analyze your own team from the lens of like an NFL person. Now I think Lance McCutcheon's actually his hands are probably his biggest weakness. Like he just dropped some balls this year. Ooh, Lewis kid. Well, I forgot about Lewis, Lewis kid. kid. Lewis kid. Probably. I think yeah. Hardy has the second best chance of getting drafted behind Troy Anderson who will get drafted. Hardy and kid are probably pretty close to each other. McCanch- McCutcheon <laughs> uh, could. But I think, you know, he's got some. Trey Webb. Trey Webb. Size he, speed, man. Yeah, he, he's probably, he's, there's some guys we just keep missing on. Trey Webb's got a good, uh, probably a highlight reel if you're a scout. He's probably got lots of good tape because Montana State and then all the time he had at San Jose State. Is, is it mm-hmm. is it San Jose or yep. San Diego State? I can never remember. I get those two San programs Jose. confused. But yeah, he was like a, what, second team or all, or a, honorable mention all conference at San Jose state. He's probably got a lot to tape there team. too. So he's got tape there. He's got tape here. And the way he showed out at pro day, I mean, there's a possibility that he may get drafted. I would say probably not. I think he'll probably be a, a signee. I think there'll be four Bobcats signed. who will sign contracts of various kinds um, by, by the end of April. All right, Thorny, we're going to play a game right here. I'm going to read down the list. You tell me NFL, CFL, undrafted. Okay. All right. Troy Anderson. <laughs> Drafted NFL superstar. All right. I knew that. That was the easy one. He's on the top of the list. Lewis Kidd. Free agent. Undrafted free agent. Chase Benson. Nowhere. Coaching. Good question. <laughs> yep. Daniel Hardy. Undrafted free agent. Amandre Williams. Nowhere. Trey Webb. Undrafted free agent. Lance McCutcheon. Nowhere. Nate Stewart. Nowhere. Jacque Allen. Nowhere. Kevin Cassis. <laughs> Nowhere. Yeah. I don't think I would Kevin say Cassis exactly really the same. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I would be exactly 100% in concert with you on all of those right there. I just don't see anyone being a CFL. Like, CFL is a weird place, man. Like, if there's a high demand in the CFL, seemingly for, like, big sky quarterbacks, but beyond that, like, I don't know any Eastern, other. Eastern quarterbacks. Well, yeah, Eastern quarterbacks, but, like, Dakota Prukop's up there. Yeah. Um, McGee? I thought McGee was up there for a brief spell. Maybe not. Maybe he. Was he? I don't know if he ever signed. But, you know, court, there's lots of quarterbacks up there, but like I don't know anyone else really that goes up there. I mean, Alex Singleton did because he had dual citizenship. 
So that was a little bit of an ace up his sleeve. He was able to be drafted <laughs> as a Canadian. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to, I don't know if the guy, the other guys who aren't NFL guys are going to be that motivated to try to get in the CFL. Yeah. All right. So here we are. We, we said prior to this, we're not going to talk a lot about the pro day and here we are. We didn't really. <laughs> we talked more about their prognostications in the NFL and, and beyond. Ooh, that's a big word. All right. NFL. Let's <laughs> prognostications. Disseminate prognostications. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh, she's going off the rails. Hey, let's talk about this uh golden uh golden coolie question from BP Cats twenty. Hold yep. on, Thorny. Is there anything else you want to say with uh, the draft? No, I pretty much did it. Yeah, you know, I mean, super stoked to watch for the whole Troy Anderson news. I'm like, I like, I can't wait for that. I still think I'm probably going to get Troy Anderson jersey, regardless of what. Yeah, we talked about. I that. probably have to too. Yeah, I hope he gets drafted by the Bengals. That'd be so sweet. Anyways, I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, you have a one thirty-two chance. Better chance than Let's the Rams, go. probably. Yeah. Although the Rams have well, probably a lot about of the like same late. actually because Rams are one or like the thirty second or the thirty first. So yeah, we just drafted Bob or signed Bobby Wagner, so probably oh. set in the linebackers room. Dude, that guy's an old horse, man. Holy he's smart. not that old. Right. He's good enough. He's an upgrade with the Rams <laughs> had and then one in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> yeah. All right. BP Cats keeping in the football theme. He said Jeff Cho was able to recruit a different level of athlete to MSU and change the culture. Do you expect Coach Vegan to have the same ability to identify the re- and then recruit the elite athlete to MSU? Facilities are great, but it still comes down to coaches. They have a whole different coaching or recruiting philosophies. Choate was able to recruit a lot of like three-star recruits, but only half of them ever stuck around. His philosophy was, I'm just going to recruit recruit a whole as many high level guys as I can and no half of them are either going to transfer or quit or whatever. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to see this quickly what vegan is going to do. It's hard to know if he's going to bring in that high level of uh unquote high level of, of talent. So I think he probably will be able to, it might not be as flashy, but I think he's more of a, you know, that's what North Dakota state typically does. There's more of a developmental program with yeah. the guys where they project what they're going to be rather than mm-hmm. the guys that are ready to come in and contribute right away. So I, th- I think in the end, it will balance out. It just might not be as splashy mm-hmm. on uh, signing day. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head right there. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Vegan just speaks to me like North Dakota State, all mm-hmm. over. Like when we watched North Dakota State, they were just like the same type of dude over and over and again. They just had waves of those type of players. They weren't the best they weren't the biggest. Sometimes they were. But I think when you like talk about what BP Cats was talking about, Jeff Chope, Jeff Chope had some amazing recruits. Like guys who were just like, wow, I can't believe we have them. But it was like a handful. And then we had like a lot of supporting cast. And I thought Jeff Chope did a great job at galvanizing the culture. But he had those four to five guys that were just star players. The difference being North Dakota State has 20 guys that are not star players, but they're really good players, right? Well, it's like their entire defensive line was Chase Benson, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Coulter Nuan has always says lately, he goes, you need like 
five to ten star players on your team to win the national championship. Montana State had you know, probably like six or six or seven guys last year, maybe maybe close to ten guys that were all league type guys that that got us to there. And uh, I think Mon- uh, Coach Vegan's challenge will be like keeping that kind of that upper echelon player in the team, but developing them. Like guys like Sebastian Valdez, the guys I'm Brody Greeby, those guys could be those guys, but we need waves of those dudes coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Like you got to you have to go like almost eight deep on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If not ten. We've been deep. playing ten. Yeah. So last year we played ten deep. This year we have, I think, six returning. So we're gonna have to get four guys to play that didn't play meaningful snaps last yep. year. So, so then you start talking about like the, um, you know, who 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 are we going to play on the defensive line? That is going to Sebastian Valdez would be an, a guy. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of Blake David Alston. Yeah, Blake Schmidt, Kyle Rigg, mm-hmm. Paul Brock could be a guy. Ben Seymour, Tyson yeah. Regiball, those guys are both when healthy contributors. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's going to be some. Some question marks. Some guys are going to have to step up and fill those holes by Daniel Hardy, Chase Benson, and Madre Williams. That was a solid yeah. three group of guys there. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to be the same the way Choate did it. Choate was always, gosh, man, he was such a good job as selling the program and making it everything look awesome. Yes. I think Coach Vegan has... I hate to say this. I think Coach Vegan has a. Not, I don't know why I hate to say this. That that's the wrong thing to say. I think he has a better foundation for a solid program than Coach Choate did. Yep. I loved Coach Choate, I but I that. think uh, Coach Vegan has like a more sound, structurally sound program. Yeah, does that make sense to you? No, Ryan? no. I completely. Uh, I see what you're saying there, and I agree with you. Like it's, it just seems more we're on more solid footing. Where it's not so yeah. much a house of cards. Not that not that not that that's what it was with Jeff Choate, but it is comparatively, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Good I want to ask you a BT question. Uh, since we're kind of yeah. talking about this right now, and this is the final golden coolie question we have, and I wasn't sure I was gonna ask it, because we'll we'll certainly discuss this more after the Sunny Holland game. Uh cats are back 76. When looking at the 2022 team. Which area of the team gives you the most optimism and where are your biggest concerns? Ooh. And he says, which area I assume I'm going to interpret this as position group. So I think our defensive backfield gives us the most optimism for me. We have like Eric Zambrano, Drew Polidor is a guy that is uh, a freshman from air force Academy. I'm, Excited to see Miles Jackson make some moves. Tyrell Thomas is coming back. James Campbell is coming back. Simeon Woodard, the man. He's one of my favorite players. He's coming back. Devin Davis, uh, a guy we haven't seen much from. Jackson Harmon. I mean, these are all names we are just like, holy cow, these guys signed. Did you say Tyrell Thomas yet? Yeah, Tyrell. Because he's coming back. He's the shortest of them all. Yeah, he's he's coming back. I think our backfield, and I didn't even mention Tyle Cotta. I was say, did you say Tyle Cotta? Any of the, <laughs> no, I didn't say any of the safeties on here, which would be... Well, is there, Eric Zambrano has been moved to safety. So you did technically yep, say safety. So our safeties are Jake Dia... Dia, Dia, Dia I, 
I can't see his last name right now. Eli App, Eli Abbey, Aiden Perks, Parks, Tyson Pottinger, Kendrick Bailey, Jeffrey Manning Jr., Ryan Lenort, Connor Ryan, Lavelle Price Jr., Ty Okada. I like our backfield, man. I think that's going to be the best uh, position group that we have. I think we're going to be elite again. We lose Trey Webb. We lose Troy Anderson. That's about it in the backfield, right? Am I missing another guy? I thought we lost the cornerback. It's going to drive me crazy now. But yeah, you know, we had a solid group back there this year. So that we do have a lot of young talent. I think the cornerback's going to be really good. I, I can see that being an area of optimism for sure. I'm mostly optimistic for the wide receivers. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, that's not necessarily because of the wide receivers. It's because we might have a quarterback who can sling it around a little bit better than we've had. But we also, I mean, Jaden Smith is a guy that you and I have been high on. He got kind of passed up this year. So we'll see what he, he's got going there. But then we got that Ravi Austin transfer from the Division Three program who all accounts has turned some heads. He's kind of, kind of going to fill that Lance mm-hmm. McCutcheon role for the Bobcats. Um, and but then you got like Andrew Patterson is a guy who redshirted last year who's just a speed demon. You got Willie Patterson is coming back. I think you know, <laughs> yeah. you know he had a good he had a pretty good year last year. For all the kind of grief we throw his way sometimes, he makes some plays and he had a good year. And I think he's going to continue to progress there. Uh, Peanut Monroe is a guy we've been high on. Uh, Cam Gardner will be back. Charles Brown is a, is another freshman who can make some noise. Uh, by all accounts, Coy Steele might actually be healthy enough to come back again. I feel like I'm missing somebody here, but uh, I think I might be looking at his old roster. Now that I'm looking at, uh, but those are just the guys off the top of my head that I think are going to be a solid group of guys. It's going to be hard to uh, replicate some of the production because Nate Stewart came on real strong last year and Lance McCutcheon were kind of the two big guys there and Willie Patterson. But if Ravi Austin can kind of take the Lance McCutcheon role, there's going to be some big um targets and receptions up for grabs. And I think we got a solid group of guys to compete for that. Yeah. I would, I would say you're, you're exactly right. Taven Williams, uh, Noah Smith is a guy, freshman, six, three freshman. You forgot to mention maybe Tanner. That's because I'm looking at an old six, roster. Five. <laughs> He's not on there. Ooh. Noah Smith isn't. Yeah. So the, to cool. flip to flip it, who are you concerned about the most? Our defensive line. Yeah, same. Same here. We talked a little bit about it, and it's not a bad group. Like I have a, a, that spreadsheet going where I project kind of the the guys there. We got you know Blake Heel, Blake Schmidt, Kyle Rigg. I think Brody Greeby is going to be a, a star. Kenneth Iden. I don't know where he fits into all of this. I know everyone was super high on him coming out of high school. He didn't play a lot last year. I think he might be kind of the other defensive end. If not, maybe he'll move to linebacker. I don't know if we're going to run a four-two-five again this year. I'm not sure what the scheme is going to be now that Freddie Banks is gone. I think we are. You think we're sticking with that? We're going to run a four-two-five and then a mixture of four-three-four. So, I mean, that's a hard one to produce. We just got that new. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, we got a transfer from like Abilene Christian, right? Hmm. You're looking your head around like uh, what? But I, I know yeah, we did. It's and he wasn't a real big guy, Christian. though. He was only like 250 or Yes, two. yes, yes. Uh, it's not saying It seems like we're just roster, getting a whole bunch yes. of like 250-pound guys. 
like that David mm-hmm. Austin guy, the Nebraska transfer. He's around that 250, 255 range. It's like we need like – so we don't need – a traditional 300 pound guy. I'm not sure North Dakota state had any of those guys. You just need a whole bunch of like 275 pound wide body, big bodied guys, strong guys. And I don't know if we have enough of those guys right now. We can make it there. Like I'm looking at Zach Black. He is a six, four, two sixty. He has the potential to put on the mask to, to be their defensive tackle. Tyson Reginbald's 247, so he's got a ways to go. Blake Schmidt's at 278. Kyle Riggs at 275. Sebastian Valdez is at 260. Paul Brott needs to put on some weight, 245. Aaron Gurley, 220. He's a freshman. He's pretty small right now. Trey Yates, he's another guy. There, there's a name for you, 257. Brody Greeby. Tucker Yates, the younger brother. Defensive. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Hunter Parsons, he's 225. He's a defensive end. Luke Fedick is another defensive end, 6'1", 200. David Alston is playing defensive end, 241. Ben Seymour, defensive end, 233. So the guys off the edge are a little bit lighter than our defensive tackles. Uh, one thing I think the Bobcats could do, they could probably pick up some guy over... Over summer, you know, a big defensive tackle, nose tackle, three tech right there, zero tech right there, right there in the middle. That's going to take up the a gap. So some some guy who's probably like 280, 290, yeah. big uh, nasty we, dude. We almost have to have that because there's only, by my count, two guys over two seventy on the defensive you, line. We would it would be awesome if we had two guys like that. Remember when we played Sam Houston State? I mean, we we kicked the crap out of them, but they're defensive tackles. They're big, big dudes, but not like the fat dudes. No, but lean, dudes. super, super yeah. lean, athletic and lean. Like that's if you're going to be too. Like that's what's fine about two seventy five. You can be quick, and you you still have to be strong mm-hmm. enough to hold your own, though. So yeah. it, it's hard. It's hard to know what exactly the cats need because you thought you had a good defensive line last year, and North Dakota State just completely blew them apart. So. <laughs> Yeah, something's gotta be revamped there. Well, with the mindset, the with the mindset of always State having had, North Dakota State in your in your scope. Yeah, where North Dakota State just kicked so much butt was their offensive line. Their superstars are on their offensive yes. line. Yeah, we need to always have a great offensive line and then an awesome defensive line. It's always one up front. Yep. So, and that's where I'm worried. Yeah, I think Coach that's, why, knows that's that. why my biggest uh, fear is the defensive line right now. Is it good yeah, enough for the big guy? Right. Probably. Is it good enough to go on another playoff run? You know, to be determined. Mm, yeah. We'll see. All right. So, some position changes. Marcus Ware went from defensive line to offensive line, and Eric Zambrano went from cornerback to safety. I don't know much about Marcus Ware, but I could definitely tell. I saw a picture of Zambrano. He put on some weight. He's a big dude, man. He looks like a safety. I think that's a good move for him. It's 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 easy to like fall in love with the six one two hundred pound cornerback in the big sky, though. Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. what he, roughly what he, he is. does not look two hundred pounds anymore. He looks. You think he buff? He looked beefed big. up. Yeah, I wonder if they talked about moving him to safety in the off season, which is like what two months ago, <laughs> two and a half months ago. It's like how much weight can you really beef up since? January know, 20th or whatever that national championship game was. 
Golly, he looks like he put on the college weight that kids put on. You're like, holy cow. Right. You know, he just doesn't look like the skinny high schooler anymore. He looks like he's like his shoulders, you know, he's just thicker. So yeah, he's right. going to put the hurt on someone. That's what I like to hear. All right. Anything All right. else you hey, want to wrap maybe, up about this? Yeah, we just got to choose a golden coolie that's question. Right. So that's you said you had one already pick picked up. out. Yeah. So who, who's your winner? Mm, that's a good question. I thought you said you had Ooh. one already. It was a Colorado cat, I thought. Now, if we don't pick Colorado cat, that'd be a, a jerk move. It was Colorado cat. And I thought I'd pick Colorado Cat because he sent in two of them, but that's not true. He only sent in one. <laughs> All right. So, Colorado Cat, I know I've sent you a coolie, but I'm going to, you know, the new edition ones are coming out. And uh, we're going to choose you which basketball team will have the better season next year. That was a good question. Thanks for sending it in. Woo! Colorado Cat! Yeah, the first applause. Of the year. <laughs> the next year. This is like All our right. first kind of episode talking about next year of any kind. Oh, my gosh. All right. I think we're done. I think we're done, I man. Go to bed. I am tired. That was a lot of fun, though. We're about an hour and 15 on this bad boy, covering everything from basketball to football to answering your questions. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. You can find us on Twitter, RRCatCast. You can find us on the web, RRCatCast.com. Thanks again to Jeremiah Johnson for being our awesome sponsor once again. And fully, let's just get out of here, man. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats.